the welcome cards, by the way. Uh, we have aircon on, but when we've got so many people in, it's surely not enough. So you can just kind of fan yourself, uh, things like that. I'm not going to be forever uh, today, just to let you know. Um, I want to talk about Easter because it's God's great, big, bright idea. All right, so Easter is God's great, big, bright idea. And I want you to think of what an idea is. It's like a light bulb moment. And if you can, just imagine one big yellow balloon. Who's ever had a great, big, bright idea? Did that ever happen? You wake up one morning and you just follow it and, and you share it with someone. You come running down the stairs and you go, wouldn't it be great if, you know, and then that person goes, pops it. Have you ever had that person in your life? Isn't that not right? I wonder, you know, because um, we have this light bulb moment, we call it. What happened before there was a light bulb? What was it called? You know, before Thomas Edison, good old Tommy Edison, you know, who invented the light bulb, he had a light bulb moment and it became the light bulb. That's just fantastic, isn't it? You know, like, what a great thing. He didn't even know what a light bulb was, but he was going to create one. There was something in him. I kind of think that God's given us the ability to have our ideation and create these imaginary structures. You know, wouldn't it be if we had light rather than setting fire to the Christmas tree by putting candles on them every year? You know, let's have an electric light. And that's what he's famous for. But I love Thomas Edison, by the way. He made 1,000 unsuccessful attempts out of inventing the light bulb. I don't know how many times you'd have given up and gone, gee, this is just not going to work. A reporter asked him, how did it feel to fail 1,000 times? And Edison replied saying, I did not fail 1,000 times. The light bulb was an invention that took 1,000 steps. I, I, can't, I cannot love that because I, I want to talk into your life about hope today. I want to talk about the capacity to dream. I want to talk about that big yellow balloon of an idea that there's something that we can think about that brings life that doesn't bring failure, that brings hope and think, what if my life looked like that? He also invented the microphone of which you know, we now use today, the phonograph. See records. You remember the records? You know, that's kind of the early days. You know, that's way gone on technology there, but it kind of led the way. Talking movies and more than a thousand other things. But in December 1914, he'd worked for 10 years on a storage battery that greatly strained his finances. And one night, there was a spontaneous combustion in his lab, and it set fire to the whole thing. It was so big a fire that eight fire um, stations had to send all their trucks just to deal with the size of the blaze and the intensity. He was 67 years of age when he did that, and he sat there watching it, and he didn't realize till later he wasn't fully insured because his building was concrete, and they never thought it would burn to the ground. Just shows you, you know, how things you learn on that. And he, his son is 24, called Charles. He was looking for his father going, hope my dad's okay. And he finds his dad calmly watching the fire. His face is glowing in the reflection. His white hair is blowing in the wind. And Charles writes, my heart ached for him. He was 67. He was no longer a young man. And everything was going up in flames. And when he saw me, he said, Charles, where's your mother? And when I told him, I didn't know. He said, well, find her. Bring her here. She's never going to see anything like this in her life. I kind of, I love you get this, the spirit of the man of his ideation that's coming out. You know, at 84 years old, he had patented over a thousand inventions. 
He was a bulldog. He was unwilling to accept failure. He said this about the fire. There is great value in disaster. All our mistakes are burned up. Thank God we can start anew. There's something in the resilience of Thomas Edison. Whenever you think of the light bulb that actually speaks to us, that actually there's something new in this moment today. So I want to talk about another great, big, bright idea. Let's kind of show this picture up here. You may recognize them. There you go. <laughs> Noah and Hattie, Kevin Sowell's great, big, bright idea. You often think that, don't you, at 4 a.m. in the morning. You know, isn't it, you know, when they're just one of them. When you've got twins, by the way, it's just double for the trouble, isn't it? You know, one's sleeping or one's hungry, and then it reverses back, so you never get a rest. As the point is proven, here it is. But I don't know when it began for them, but they decided one day that they would like a family. You know, and it's like this kind of big yellow balloon idea of a concept. It's like a seed and they imagined what family would be like. It's nothing like you imagine it, by the way. I know this. But anyway, you know, you have this, this dream of what does our life look like as a family. And this seed gets planted into the unknown. And it promises so much. It's so small. It's got huge potential. And we find our girls get drawn into this idea of being part of a family. And how many of you know that life doesn't turn out the way we expect? Put your hand up if life's gone to plan every time, you know, that you've imagined it. And so Kevin Sally, it was not the plan that they wrote, isn't it, you know, and, and this is the truth, they imagine the days turn into weeks, the weeks turn into months, the months turn into years, and nothing happened, the friends were aware of that pain, the tears, the frustrations, 12 years of waiting, doctor's appointments, tests, decisions, procedures, injections, hopes rise, hopes dash, do we try again, do we stop, do we give up, is it meant to be? Are you there, God? So the reality is we don't put before you a perfect image of our lives, but this is the reality of how we walk through major challenges. The point of this message is, what do you do when things don't go to plan? You know, when your hopes and dreams are a big yellow balloon just gets popped. I know this because one of my roles I do as a hospital chaplain. I'm walking down the corridors, and, you know, and, and sometimes I'm walking into rooms to celebrate a recovery from surgery and an incredible breakthrough with the birth of a baby. But there's other days I'm walking down because there's been a diagnosis of cancer or a loss or death or bereavement. I heard a story of a man who had two sons and in the same year he walks down the corridor one to celebrate the birth of his new grandson and in the same year of his other son to mourn the death of another grandson. The reason I tell you that, because his story is how story, isn't it? We, we share it because we've all walked down corridors. Every one of us has been in hospitals. Every one has been to high moments, to low moments. And there's something about a community by which we can grieve together. We don't fully understand the individual journeys, but we get something of the pain. You know, and there's moments in life, and, and I love kind of just starting with the story of great, big, bright ideas, because they don't always go to plan but this is what I want to talk about because Easter is God's great, big, bright idea that speaks into what happens in our life when things do not go to plan. We've all experienced sadness, loss of pleasure, crying, agitation, loss of interest, indecisiveness, 
loss of energy, changing sleep patterns, hopelessness, or the word we use is despair, in the absence of hope is the Latin translation. You know, we've been in times when you go, gee, I don't know how to work through it. And if we're really honest, the clouds are so dark, we can't see the sun anymore. Where do we go? What do we do when we hit that point? Can I just press pause for a moment? Because Kevin said, I want to just honor you. You know, Kev, can you just pass on to Kev? Uh, you know, genuinely, because I, I think this is really important because I want on you because despite the difficulties, the loss and the cost and the despair and the anger and the frustration, you never gave up. And I, I, I know the reality of, of how close that come, and, and I'm just blown away because in all of that, they just kept going. In all the doubts, they kept going. They felt like giving up. There's no doubt. But you pushed on through. You may have stumbled a thousand times, but you got up 1,001 steps, and that journey didn't end in disaster. It ended up in neuronetic. That's why you're here today. To celebrate life. Out of the darkness, out of the pain, life can come. And this is a key. One of the things that they did is they called on God. There's only a limit to our friends and family can support. There's a point when you can be there, but you kind of think, I just, I can't change the reality. If I could, I would. There's a point when you get to medical staff and they say, look, we just can't go any further. And that's when we're point. We often find ourselves on our knees and we say, God, if there's a way through, would you open the door? For me, when we get to the end of ourselves, that's the beginning of God. When you're in a dark patch, when you identify with this hopelessness and despair, I want to put something out on Easter because God's great big bright idea is when you get to that point of darkness, when it's all over and Jesus died on the cross and it's over and the tomb is shut off and all the disciples are running around going, gee, this is over. I thought it was going to be better. I thought it was a big yellow balloon of salvation. I thought the plans were going to, and it's there. It's dead. There's always hope when it comes to God. There is always Easter Sunday. There is always the resurrection because God is an intentional God. God's full of ideas. God's full of life. God's full of bounds. God's full of this yellow balloon. When you discover God inside, you get this yellow balloon, this imagination of God. Wow, it's like the light gets switched on. It's like the Thomas Edison moment. Something happens inside of us. This message speaks into the tension of what happens when the darkness is too dark. Every seed that's planted in the ground is planted into darkness, by the way. I'm a biologist. I do know the power of a seed. Some seeds are so powerful they will crack concrete because of the life in them. I, I love this idea because there's faith God implanted into their heart that even in the darkness, God planted a hope and a seed of life into them and they kept going. And that seed of life looks like Noah and Hetty. It bursts out. So the question that you've got to ask yourself is, God, have you got seed of light for me? Is there anything in this message that speaks to me? And the answer is yes. An incredible story in the Old Testament, by the way, of how God speaks into darkness. And it's about another baby, and it's baby Moses. And if you've been to Sunday school or as a child, you've been taught about Moses in the bulrushes, and you'll know the story. But the truth is, Moses was born a slave. No running water, no tap, certainly no electricity, no education. No health care plan. No Wi-Fi. Horror. I mean, just distressed just to send that. Born into darkness. In fact, when his mum gets pregnant, there is a law in the land by Pharaoh that says, kill every baby boy. 
There's a but, by the way, because I love this. Because every bright idea has got that person who pops the idea. I kind of think the devil is the needle popper, you know, who comes around and pops your ideas. I think God is the one who gives the ideas. So to Moses' parents, when his mom becomes pregnant, is carrying the child, there's a law that says kill every baby boy. And they tell the midwives, the Jewish midwives, to kill the baby boys, let the women survive. If you want to just kind of know randomly why that is, it's because the Egyptians were trying to water down the nation of Israel so that they would be forced to sleep with the Egyptians so that it would merge the race so that the Jews no longer existed, by the way. In history, there's all sorts of attempts to annihilate the Jews. This is part of the plan to get rid of this people of God. Why? Because God has put his story in those people. No doubt about it. The Jewish people tell the story of God. So it's an annihilation attempt. But this is as a mum and dad, they're going, someone wants to kill my baby. So I love the fact that Shipra and Pua, who are the midwives, they're people who said no to the annihilation of a God idea. So in all your darkness, I'm looking for you today to ask the question, are you a person who says, no, I'm not going to let that idea die. I'm not going to get the life of my light or the light of my life to die. I'm going to fight. I'm going to realize that God wants to breed something alive in me today. And that's what happened in the story because when Moses was born and it's a boy and they they know that Pharaoh wants to kill them and they've got to be obedient. Here's a decision. Do we follow Pharaoh, the strong, mighty ruler of the day? Or do we hide him in a Moses basket? That's what they're called now. Send him down the river, and we entrust him into God's hands. I love this part of the story, by the way, because let me tell you, God's hands are safe hands. God takes these little seeds that's planted into darkness, and he grows them. He takes a tiny baby, and the whole power nation is against Moses, but God's got a plan. And the plan for Moses' life is liberator. Moses is born into significance, although he's a slave, although he's born in darkness, although he's born in a kind of where nobody knows of him. God says, I'm going to use that baby to bring freedom to the Jewish people. Let me tell you, every one of God's plans start in a moment of darkness. Because the darkness cannot hold back the light. I'm speaking to the light that's in you. I know you have light within you because God created you. Your DNA holds God. If you're running away from God, if you're struggling with that and you're just going deeper into darkness and deeper into darkness, there is light within you that calls out to say to be the man, the woman that God has called you to be. There is potential in you and God wants to bring you into an environment, into a community like this to bring out the best of you, to bring that big, great, big idea to say, I created you. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. When you walk off, when you go wrong, when you make your own calls, it gets darker. But when you stand and walk towards me, you get lighter. Your, your brain pops off with all sorts of ideas. Your heart is full of light and life. God changes and transforms those cardboard testimonies. They're not just clever words, they're lifestyle changes. I'm going to show you some pictures if I can. Some of you will know who they are. Anybody want to have a guess who the basketball player is? LeBron James, straight away. Do you know if I put a basketball in my hands, it would be worth about $20? Do you know how much it costs in his hands? $33 million. Anybody know top right-hand corner who that is? Ronaldo. How many know how much he's worth? 
See, a shirt in my hand, if I went and bought a Juventus shirt, you've got to ask why. Any Juve fans? But, you know, if I did that, it'd probably cost me 50 quid, you know? In his hands, it's 90 million. Right, Serena Williams, you know? Tennis racket in my hands, right? Wouldn't get me very far. <laughs> Even my son teaches me how to play tennis. And now, he I don't play with him anymore because he beats me last time I played, and that's it, I'm finished. <laughs> I, I retired the moment he beat me. Or so he says... Bring it back. 28 major championships. Makes a difference in whose hands it is. Your idea in God's hands makes the difference. It was God's hands who parted the water for Moses. It was God's hands when a young shepherd boy called David was faced with a huge giant in his face that says, You will never amount to much. Thomas Edison, they said he would never do anything, right? That's what his teacher said about him. So the rule is don't listen to teachers. No, I'm joking. <laughs> teachers in the room. Don't listen to people who pop your bubble is the actual rule, isn't it? But David, when he took the little stone, it was God who took that stone and planted it into Goliath that caused him to crash down. The message is, whatever you put into God's hands will succeed. Because God wants you to succeed. God wants that idea to grow inside of you. There is greatness within you. There is courage within you. There is integrity, virtue, compassion, dignity, loyalty, love. Sometimes it just takes suffering to get there. You often ask the question, why is my life like this? Let me tell you that God uses suffering to mine the gold that's within us. You know, when I walk into hospital and I see people lying there with all sorts of lead, leads connected to them, I see my dad. Because that's how he spent his last lives. His whole family surrounded them. And as I said, goodbye to them. But I also see God surrounded us in that place because our family stood and we prayed and we thanked God for that moment. I sat down with a doctor once and the doctor pulled out the x-rays and said, it's not good, you've got cancer. I walked out still within me with a big yellow balloon in my heart of hope. Why? Because I know something about God that death was not the end. And the reason I know that is before I'd sat with the doctor and he'd given me the bad news, I'd sat with God and God gave me good news. You know, and God says, you're going through a dark past, but I will walk you through it. Let me tell you, when you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, if you have God's word who comes alongside you and speaks light and life into you, it carries you through those shadows, and they are real. I want us, as a community, to be a living testament, a living statement that God gets us through the tough times. Every baby is important in here, not just Noah and Hetty, but we realize that every baby is a gift of life because you were a baby too. Put your hand up if you weren't a baby. <laughs> you had the same promise, the same potential spoken over your life that God brought you into this place. Here's a moment of realization. I kind of want to get to the end and say this. Jesus is God's great, big idea for Easter. He was a baby too. We tell the story at Christmas, but his life significance happens at Easter. You go into the Sistine Chapel in Rome, and you'll be distracted by the ceiling because that's what everybody goes to see. But the north and the south wall 
there's murals on either side. On, on, on the one side, it's the life of Moses. On the other side, it's the life of Jesus. And it culminates at the end with the picture of the resurrection. And also there's a, a picture of the death of Moses. The death of Moses and the resurrection of Jesus. Moses died. Jesus is still alive. Easter is about that Jesus is still alive. It's a fascinating thing in the Old Testament where Jesus tells a story, or God tells a story of Jesus all the way through it. There are so many parallels to Moses and his life that tell us how to recognize the Messiah. And Jesus was the Son of God. And we come to this point where we focus on the resurrection. This one life that made a difference. He was born a slave too. He had to go on the run to Egypt when he was a child in the same way. Jesus went into the wilderness, fasted 40 days, so did Moses. There are so many parallels. There's a poem about Jesus that says this. He was born in an obscure village, the child of a peasant. He grew up in another village where he worked as a carpenter shop until he was 30. And for three years, he became an itinerant preacher. He never wrote a book. He never held an office. He never had a family or owned a home. He didn't go to college. He never lived in a big city. He never traveled 200 miles from the place where he was born. He did none of the things that usually accompany greatness. He had no credentials but himself. He was only 33 when the tide of public opinion turned against him. His friends ran away. One of them denied him. He was turned over to his enemies. He went through the mockery of a trial. He was nailed to a cross between two thieves. And while he was dying, his executioners gambled for his garments. The only property held on earth. And when he was dead, he was laid in a borrowed grave through the pity of a friend. But 20 centuries have come and gone. And today, he's a central figure of the human race. And well within the mark to say that of all the armies that ever marched, of all the navies that ever sailed, of all the parliaments that ever sat, of all the kings that ever reigned put together have not affected the life of the man on this earth as much as that one solitary life. Five million people go every year to see a ceiling painted by Michelangelo and his attempt to portray to the world the connection between God and man. 25,000 people a day go to look up to the heavens to try and imagine what God looks like. I want to tell you this. If you want to know what God looks like, the Bible says Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the unseen God. If you're wondering what God looks like, all you need to do is look at Jesus. You want to know what love looks like? Look at the cross. Because the Bible says that God demonstrates his love for us, that while we were still sinners, Christ died. I love that about God, that he would die for me. The link in the story of the Old Testament of Moses, when he was the liberator for the children of Israel, the final plague was the angel of death. God said to his people, take a lamb, sacrifice the lamb, take the blood of the lamb and paint it on the doorpost. 
If you do that, if you are faithful and you're obedient, I will pass you by and that plague will not hurt your family. They celebrate this every year called Passover. We are in the period of Passover right now. And this is how God has ingrained himself into the story of Moses because Jesus is the Passover lamb. When we come to Jesus, he was sacrificed before the foundations of the world so that we might know the life of God through his death we live. You might say it sounds crazy, Aaron. I'm not sure whether I believe that. The advantage I have, and some of you have here in this room too, is that I said to God one day as a teenager, if you are true, I want you to live in my life. I want to experience your life. I want to know this hope. Because whatever will come my life, I want to know in my dark day that there's this big idea of knowing that you're rooting for me. Would you come in and live for me? God did I have a cardboard testimony too that 18 months ago I had no eyebrows and now they've grown back because that's what chemotherapy does to you I have a family I have a hope in Christ Jesus so I'm sitting on the other side of the resurrection I'm aware that you might just come into this journey and you might be looking at the cross of Christ might be looking easy what does it all mean you won't know what it all means until you pray a prayer and say God if you're real I want you to reveal yourself I'm going to ask everybody to close their eyes (coughs) I can tell you about this great big idea but the best thing is for you to experience it for yourself you want to experience God's great, big, bright idea for your life, why don't you ask him right now? It can be very simple. Dear God, would you reveal your light and your life to me now? You're aware of the darkness in your own life and the struggles. God's interested in that. And he just wants to light a light bulb moment for you reveal your love right now for everybody seeking in this room God I pray that you would just bring your love your life your light if you've got guilt and shame that you're just struggling with you think I'm just not the person I should be then just why don't you say to God I'm sorry for kind of perhaps going my own way I want to listen to you would you lead me God says sure as we look forward towards Pentecost I want you to know that God wants to deposit you in the spirit of life his Holy Spirit within you to help you find the way some of you here who've been perhaps on the road a long time you might say God would you fill me with your Holy Spirit that light that life that energy of God that I might know you walk with you and be part of this community I ask you